This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Bush reached victory lane for the 49th time in the Cup Series on Sunday, which tied him with Tony Stewart. The win also marked the 192nd of his career across all three major touring series. When you think about it, it all adds up to a whole lot of hardware. I build trophy cases to then house trophies, and I get more, and I don't have any more room. Um, I do have a trophy case problem. Um, I ask for bonuses in my contract so that I can make new, make new trophy cases. <laughs> so uh, I'm behind right now. There's a lot of them that are in, in people's rooms at KBM or offices, and they're on the floor, and they're on, um, they're on um, desktops and whatever. <laughs> Welcome to NASCAR America, everybody. <laughs> Carol Amano alongside our Hall of Famer, Dale Jarrett. It is certainly a good problem to have, especially For if you're sure. Kyle Busch, but I'm wondering, you know Joe Gibbs so well. <laughs> what on earth do you think is going through his mind at that press conference? Uh, that look was priceless, and that little laugh that Joe Gibbs has when he's being amused by some of the people that work for him and especially the drivers there. Uh, yeah, it's a great problem to have. I mean, that that is a lot of trophies you think about it over the years, but uh, I'm sure that Joe Gibbs was probably trying to calculate, okay, I pay you this much money. I think you can probably afford to build your own <laughs> yeah. without having to me to have just yeah, grab do something a couple else. Of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> blanks for your trophy case as a man who has a number of trophies himself, by the way. Um, one thing we know about Kyle Busch, very comfortable at the very top of the playoff leaderboard with six race wins and 35 playoff points right now. And with five races left right now until the playoffs get underway in his hometown of Las Vegas, he is in prime position to also pick up those 15 added playoff points for winning the regular season championship. Very important. As he noted on Sunday after his most recent win, the work of his crew chief and pit crew has had a lot to do with Kyle Busch's success. Kyle Busch will pick up his first victory of 2018. Man, today was just a great day all in all. Bryce putting 110% into it. He won at Texas. He won at Bristol. And tonight he will win at Richmond Raceway in Virginia. Great work, Pickle. You guys won this one. Our pit stops are really good today. Uh, even our rear changer had the stomach flu. And uh, he followed through it. And we got it done. Kyle Busch wins for the first time in Charlotte. Tonight was a really good night. We had a really good night on pit road. It's really nice to get Kyle the last track he needed. Kyle Busch will win. We had a great day today. We started out slow. We stuck with it. We kept going and kept driving and getting better today. And I think the best is yet to come. Kyle Busch scores the win at Pocono Raceway. Fairly average day on pit road. Fast pit stops and it's a great team win today. The 18 team, did you see him up on the wall letting the bill burn it down? So, DJ, we've highlighted the 18 team there, but are the pit crews at Joe Gibbs Racing overall the difference maker in their success? Yeah, they're the best in the business. And and this has been a 
focal point for Joe Gibbs from the time that he came into this sport in 1992. He obviously understands what great athletes can do. And, and now he has really good drivers. But just look at the stats right here. They've spent a lot of time, made a lot of effort to get the very best people there. They have great training that they do. Uh, they worked extremely hard before the new pit gun rule came in to develop uh, pit guns that were better than everybody else to put with these great athletes. But just look at that. All four of their teams are in the top nine uh, on these average pit stops under caution uh, this year. And so if the driver does his job, which they all do a really good job of getting in and out of the pits, Kyle Busch probably the very best at it. You, you put all of that together, and that's just going to make their job easier to go out and try to win races. Think about it. If Kyle Busch is as good as he is in winning these 192 races across these series, then you put the best pit crew with him and put him in a position. That's why we talked about yesterday. He's able to win whenever he doesn't have the very best car because you just think, what's the easier way to try to beat Kyle Busch? It's, it's him trying to pass you, not you trying to pass him. And so his pit crew doing the job week in and week out. And again, there's a lot of effort put forth with this, and they've made that effort over the years. Yeah, things started... Uh, a number of years ago with Ray Everham and Jeff Gordon and a dedicated pit crew then, they've just taken this to a whole nother level. We always talk about chemistry between drivers and crew chiefs, but after spending a lot of time with Steve Latart, our crew chief, he has helped me understand that there is also a very important chemistry that exists simply with the pit crew alone. The guys that are going over that wall, and we've seen so many other organizations, Stuart Haas Racing comes to mind, scrambling, making changes, trying to get that chemistry in order. It makes me wonder how important this is moving forward now with only a handful of races remaining until the playoffs. Is this something that could potentially get one of these guys knocked yep. out? Absolutely. Yeah, there's no doubt that this can be the difference maker in whether it's Kyle Busch or one of the Joe Gibbs racing. But we're looking at Kyle Busch right now at how good he is, how much the crew trusts Kyle Busch when he's coming into the pits, that he's not only getting there quick, but he's under control in doing that. So just take a look. We talk about the big three here they are with their pit crews and what they're able to do it's over four tenths of a second from Kyle Busch to Kevin Harvey that's a huge amount of difference that's making up a couple of spots uh, or maybe even more than that on pit road it comes down to Homestead in the last race Kyle Busch might not be the best car they get him out front he might be the hardest man in the world to pass at that point in time. Uh, so that's something that these other teams are looking at. We've seen Stuart Haas make changes trying to get. Because this bar is set really high with what Kyle Busch and his team is able to do. And when you have put that kind of pressure on the other teams, it forces them into making mistakes. Because these guys do it on a regular basis. You just heard them talk about that Sunday at Pocono, just an average day, that they were the very best on, on pit road. And so, But that's what they expect each and every week. But it does add another level of pressure to the other teams so as a driver and you have a driver like Kevin Harvick all of these drivers demand the very best from their teams from their pit crews from their crew chiefs and they've all at one time or another been critical of the way that they've performed sure. it's great when you're winning everyone's doing a great job but if you are a driver like Kevin Harvick or Martin Truex Jr. who is so firmly planted in this playoff hunt what is the first step for a driver of his caliber to help minimize the damage, fix the problem, communicate clearly, figure out a solution. Well, I think the biggest thing that you can do as a driver is you be consistent uh, in, in your efforts to get on the pit road and get in your pit box properly. Don't put, don't make these guys feel like, okay, we've got to wait and know that our driver is under control. So if you start trying to help them by overextending yourself and getting in too hard, then that only slows them down more. The other side of it is we've all been in the situation that you talked about. We've been critical. We've been frustrated when we 
we had a car capable of winning, did our job on the racetrack, and then something happened in the pits. These guys are amazing athletes, and they're trying. You know, they, they don't want things not to go well, but you have to be supportive of them. Uh, now, whether it's, you know, that you – I'm not saying get out of the car and say, oh, well, you know, they were trying hard. No, that's, that's just not in a, a race driver's competitive makeup to do that. But behind the scenes, you have to be supportive of them. Go to them. What can I do as a driver to help make your job better, that we can be more consistent at this to where we're not losing spots? You know, you're not asking them to always make up spots on pit road, especially when you go in running the top three or four. You're not looking to make up many spots. Just don't lose me spots. How can I help you? Right. Yeah, that's a great point. All right, we're just getting started. Here's what's coming up on the rest of the show. We've got a big show for you today. We're going to continue to talk about what's going on at Joe Gibbs Racing, specifically with Daniel Suarez. Is Watkins Glen a place where his momentum can carry over into a win this weekend. Joey Logano going to reveal his Darlington throwback scheme. Here's a hint. It involves a driver who is a past Watkins Glen winner and also a native of New York. So marinate on that for a minute. Plus, we are going to take a sneak peek at this week's edition of the Dale Jr. Download where Jr. talks underdogs and who he rooted for as a kid. So we've got that for you. But we do have to mention earlier today, we learned of the passing of famed motorsports journalist Tom Higgins, a man that you know and a man who had a career that spanned five decades, mainly with the Charlotte Observer. He was the first beat writer to cover every race on the NASCAR schedule. Your reaction to his passing and the man that he was? Yeah, very sad. A good friend. A good friend to most of us in the garage area from, gosh, the, the 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, all through that. Tom Higgins was the man. And he knew everything that was going on in the sport. And it seemed like he was one of the people that everybody was willing to tell everything that was going on. He could get it out of you. But he loved to hunt and fish. Uh, he loved to play golf. We had a lot of good times on the golf course. So, you know, you could have a working relationship at the track. And he knew exactly what was happening with the sport and covered it very, very well. But then you could also go back to the hotel or wherever it was and have a beer with him and laugh and talk about a lot of different things. So someone that will be missed in our sport. Yeah, he was well liked by a lot of people. And for his work and his contributions to NASCAR, we saw some, uh, some pictures there a second ago. He received so many awards yeah. over the course of a very lengthy career. And in 2015, recognized by the NASCAR Hall of Fame with the Squire Hall Award for Media Excellence. So true wordsmith of NASCAR. And he was 80 years old. We'll be back after this. Welcome back, everybody. Indy 500 champ Will Power wants a Pocono three-peat, but can he keep points leader Scott Dixon in the rear view? That is the question. Verizon IndyCar Series racing from Pocono is Sunday, August 19th, right here on NBCSN. And while that race is still three weeks away, this past Sunday, some of NASCAR's youngest stars really put their skills to the test on the tricky triangle in the Cup Series race. In fact, five of the top seven finishers were age 26 or younger, and leading the way in that category was 26-year-old Daniel Suarez, who came home second after coming up short against Kyle Busch during an overtime restart. He spoke about his runner-up performance with Dave Burns. So I'm leaving the airport and I run into Daniel and I say, hey, great run. I'll see you in Watkins Glen. Instead, I see you today, which is good because we get to talk about your fantastic run at Pocono again. Are you a little over the disappointment now thinking about how good it was or still saying, oh, I could have had it? You know, I'm... I'm I'm happy for the performance of my race team. I think that's uh, that's the most important part for me. Uh, you know, going from uh, from practice to 
second practice to quad five and everything and making improvements every single time and transferring that to the race with good speed that that was a big deal for me uh, i said on the radio before the last couple of racers a uh, second third fifth it's the same thing for me it doesn't really matter i want the win uh, we have finished second in the past already and third as well so uh, it was a good solid weekend for us um, you know that's, that's part of racing we're racing uh, one of the best right now uh, and, uh, and and it was hard I feel like actually we had a pretty good shot in, in the last resort uh, going even with him uh, but we just didn't have you know enough help from behind and, uh, and you know that's power racing everyone wants to win uh, but uh, you know instead of trying to attack Kyle I, I start to defend myself to, to keep the second spot but we have to move on and hopefully we can carry this momentum into the Glen. The help from behind was your teammate, Eric. Do you bring that up in the competition meetings this week and say, hey, man, we, we could have beat Kyle. We could have beat Kyle. You know, that's power racing. Uh, if I was in Eric's position, I may, I may have done the same thing. Who knows? Uh, but uh, he wants to win. Uh, he, he doesn't care about helping me. And, and, and in that position, I don't care about helping him either. Uh, and Kyle is taking care of himself as well. So, you know, we're teammates. We are not wrecking each other. But uh, at that point, I guess we're not helping each other either. So that's part of racing. Speaking of Kyle, uh, your crew chief, Scott Graves, told me a few weeks ago, you began adopting his setups fully to start the weekends. How much has that helped? And was that a help in being so close at the end of Pocono? Yeah, I really, I really think so. Uh, in the last few weeks, uh, we've been trying to to, to do something very, very similar, as similar as possible to, to the 18 guys. Obviously, they are one of the big three right now, and they, they are strong everywhere uh, we go. And, uh, and we've been struggling. That's, that's not the truth. We, we haven't had the speed uh, in the last uh, few months that, w that we would love to, and uh, they do. So I wish you know, we would have done this maybe a little bit earlier in the season, and maybe we wouldn't be in this position right now, very tight in, into the playoffs. But... Uh, you know, I have a great team. Uh, everyone is very smart. Everyone is passionate, just like I am. And, uh, and I know that uh, we can keep having runs like in Pocono. We can get a win anytime. So let's turn our attention to Watkins Glen. Uh, way back when, little Danny Suarez started on the road courses in a go-kart. So how excited are you to turn right and left coming up? You know, I'm, I'm very excited. Obviously, the Glen has been, uh, it's been good to me in the past. Uh, road course racing is, is always a lot of fun. Um, you know, I had a, I had a conversation to, with, with my father uh, in the morning of Pocono heading into the race. And uh, he told me, hey, Daniel, if you don't get the win today, make sure you get a strong run because next week is going to be uh, watching lane and, and uh, you, you can have a pretty good shot there. So make sure you build some momentum. So, you know, we are heading into one of my favorite places uh, again with the 19, uh, Stanley, Toyota Camry, and uh, hopefully we can give ourselves another opportunity. Strong run last weekend, momentum heading into Watkins Glen. Anything could happen for Daniel. So Daniel Suarez says road course racing is fun, which is the right attitude <laughs> to have. And speaking of fun, Kyle Petty joins the show now. Kyle, I'm going to put this question to you. Based on what you've seen from Daniel Suarez in the past, specifically at this track, what do you think is possible for him this weekend? <laughs> if I had the magic eight ball, it would say chances are good. Um, I think we saw right there in, in the video footage, uh, one a segment up there. Uh, he did grow up on road courses. We did a, a racing roots with him in Mexico uh, and went to that very first road course track where he learned to drive a go-kart on. And, and I, I really, I, and I'm, I'm biased here, I really am a fan of Daniel Suarez. 
uh, because of some of the things he said in that interview. He's one of the most honest drivers you will ever talk to. He critiques himself first, but never critiques the team because he feels like he needs to get better. He always looks at the team and says, this is a team sport. The team is doing good. I love this victory or love this run that we had because of the team. And if I go back uh, to when he started in the Xfinity series, those first few races, when he showed up at Daytona and we went out west and, and watched those first few races, I went, oh, my gosh, where did this kid come from? What's he doing in an Xfinity car? By the time we made the turn halfway through the year that first season, he had really begun to grasp what racing was all about, what Xfinity racing and what NASCAR racing was all about. Every race, he gets better. Every year, he gets better. Uh, and I think as we make the turn here in this sophomore year, I think he is a threat. I think he's a threat not only at a Watkins Glen, but some of the other racetracks that we go to. And I think that team will continue to get better. And I like what he says. I didn't expect Eric Jones to help me because I wasn't going to help him in that same situation. And we don't expect Kyle to. That's Joe Gibbs racing. It's every man for themselves when you get to that point. But I think Daniel understands that. And I like his chances this week. Yeah, he's such a tremendous talent, and he's so smart. He understands that he really gets what's going on here. To, to think that he was thrust into a car last year, that he was planning on being back in the Xfinity Series again, and all of a sudden he's put in a cup car and having to learn everything once again. And we've just seen every time that he goes back for the second or third time, he's a better race driver when he gets there. So he's a good student. He really pays attention to what he needs to do to become a better driver. And this was very impressive, what he was able to do last year. If he can step it up this second time around, then, yeah, we might be talking about Daniel Suarez in the playoffs and taking away a, a spot that people were thinking that was going to be there for someone else. So uh, he, he does an excellent job of understanding what he needs to do, not making mistakes, and just getting better as, as he goes along. Because of Alex Bowman's performance as well over this past weekend, he is essentially in yeah, a must-win situation. So it's very clear that it's a win for Daniel Suarez in order to get into the playoffs. When we come back, we are going to have a sneak peek of this week's edition of the Dale Jr. Download. One of Junior's closest friends stops by to reminisce about their childhood in the NASCAR garage. That's straight ahead. Stay with us. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Heads up, everybody. The Dale Jr. Download returns this Thursday, 530 Eastern on NBCSN. And on this week's episode, Jr. and his longtime friend Brad Means discuss what life was like in the NASCAR garage for a pair of sons whose dads were racers. This is Brad Means, Jimmy Means' son. Me and Brad were probably, out of all the kids or people that came to the racetrack, I spent most time with Brad. Brad was pretty much like me, begging his dad to go to the race every chance he get. So when you get a chance to go, you know, whether you're 12, whether we were 15, as soon as you get to NASCAR registration, sign in, have your pass in your hand, and your dad, his mind's like race car, gonna do race <laughs> car wherever I got. I got somewhere I gotta be. I plan. His day is planned. As soon as we get our pass in our hand, me and him like sought each other out. I'd 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 be over in his holler, Brad over here, it's Brad over here, and and you know he'd be ahead, he'd yeah. be at mine. We'd find each other immediately, and we'd spend the rest of the weekend together. A lot of times we would wander around in other people's hollers 
Oh, for sure. Like we own the places. Yep. Just go in there. Like the coolest thing is, as a kid, you know, going in, I would walk straight in the three trailer, Dale Earnhardt, you know, the biggest icon in our sport, and just walk straight to the lounge, RC, whoever's in there is like looking. Junior here? Yeah. He's not here <laughs> yet. I don't know where he's at. All right. I'm, I'm out. Yeah. Like I owned it. You know, it's awesome as a, as a kid because it was a lot different environment back then. I'm a real big fan of underdogs. Any sport. Um, you know, when it comes to March Madness, whatever it is, I'm the I'm like, man, you know, Cinderella story, underdog. And that was Jimmy. Jimmy was an independent, and I didn't know much about him other than I knew his car. I, you know, followed racing for a while, and I knew Jimmy's sort of story a little bit. And we were at North Wilsboro Speedway, and back then they didn't they, – they just kind of parked you wherever, and Dad's down on the end in turn one, and next to him is Jimmy's car. And I said to Dad, I said, I know that uh, car. I like, I like that guy. And uh, he's like, you want to meet him? I said, yeah. And this was a really rare moment where Dad had a few seconds that we were having a conversation at the racetrack when I was, you know, well, yeah. 10 years old. And uh, typically he's like, all right, we're at the track. You sit here. Don't move. I'm going to be practicing in and out all day. Do not leave this hauler. You stay right here. And that was that. I didn't know any other drivers. Never really met anybody in the sport at that point. And so Jimmy just happened to be the car next to Dad. And he's, I, Dad said, hey, you want to meet the guy that drives this car? Yeah, that's cool. And I was like, yeah, I do. I, I Okay, you know, whatever you want, whatever you say, Daddy. And so that was all it takes. You know, you, it's just like, if you're a kid and somebody takes you to a baseball game and you've never been to a baseball game and you're like, cool, whoever wins is my favorite team now. Yeah. You know? and, and if you happen to meet a player or something yeah. like that, they're your right. favorite player. Yeah. Fan for life. And yeah. Jimmy Jimmy, uh, di- Jimmy did, you know, play the underdog role and the independent role his whole career. But there was one race at Richmond in 87 that, um, you know, they just hit on it and had a good enough car to drive up there and take the lead. And uh, he passed Dad for the lead and led a handful of laps and finished ninth, I think. Yeah, they had a really good car. You know, that was one of my dad's favorite tracks, was the old fairgrounds, because that was like a home short track racing, right? So that was a great. And back then, that race wasn't even on TV. Yeah, it was. It was taped, but it yeah, was on the radio. So it's like just go back and we watched it at your house, right? Yeah. To go back and watch it, it's just awesome because you remember listening to. MRN and hearing it, you know. We're hearing it on MRN going, wow, Jimmy's running this good. This is incredible. Oh, he passed for the lead. Wow, what the heck, you know. And we can't see it. It's driving us crazy. <laughs> I love stories like that, Kyle. They remind me of two little kids. When you see yeah. them today on the Dale Jr. <laughs> download talking about how they had their run to the racetrack, I mean, it just does not get better yeah. than that. Yeah, listen, we all grew up that way. Here's the funny part. They talk about going up in a truck and going up into a lounge. We just went to a flatbed trailer where they just rolled a car off of it because that's where everybody was. There was no lounge when I came along. But, but you know, it, it is, that's what's really cool about Dell Jr. And, and about Brad. Uh, their dads grew up racing with each other. And I'm going to say this about Jimmy Means. Jimmy Means was a race car driver. He understood what it took to win races. He won at Huntsville and Birmingham. Nashville, he won all over uh, the Southeast. He came in the cup, never really got that ride, that, that upper-level ride. He wasn't independent, a struggling independent. But that's what's cool about listening to some of these downloads. Junior reaches back 
a number of years and brings those guys back who you think about Jimmy Means and you think about what racing was all about and what it was like to grow up at a racetrack. And you know Jimmy. Yeah, I've known him for a long time. As Kyle said, I don't look at the numbers and think that Jimmy Means couldn't drive a race car because he beat some of the best at those short tracks and then just decided to move on up. He gave me an opportunity in my second cup race ever. He called in 1984 and uh, it was late June actually, matter of fact, it was just a couple of days before the race in July at Daytona, the July 4th race, and asked if I wanted to drive his car. I'm like, sure. So we <laughs> pack up and, and head down and drove his car. And of course, as it turns out, it was Richard Petty's 200th win. And uh, I, I almost got laughed. I could actually see the battle and looking out the mirror, they were that close to me laughing. But, oh, man, but it's a it moment a great, you'll never forget. Never forget. Yeah, and I appreciated Jimmy and what he still does for everybody and what he's always done. Uh, everybody in the garage area has loved him. Yeah, much more of that on the Dale Jr. Download. You can check it out this Thursday, 530 Eastern, right here on NBCSN, right after NASCAR America. It's a lot of fun. And don't forget, tomorrow actually is also Wednesdays with Dale Jr. So stopping by the Big Oak table this week, none other than reigning Cup Series champ Martin Truex Jr., Next week's guest, Eric Almarola of Stewart Haas Racing as well. So make sure you're with us on those Wednesdays because those are really fun shows if you are a race car fan. Speaking of Eric Almarola, he was confronted by an angry Matthew Benedetto following Sunday's race at Pocono. We're going to hear Eric's take on what went down when NASCAR America returns. Stay with us. confused as to why Matt Benedetto spun him during that cool-down lap Sunday at Pocono. Earlier today, he appeared on Sirius XM's The Morning Drive to give his side of the story. He was frustrated or upset, I guess, that I passed him on the last lap. I don't know. Um, I guess he thought that I shouldn't race for 25th. I mean, I, I race for every spot, um, you know, all race long. I don't care if it's for 25th or for the lead and I guess he thought I should have let him finish 25th, and I, I wasn't going to do that. So I, I passed him uh, in a tunnel turn on the last lap, and uh, he said I took his line away from him, and uh, I don't, he was he was upset about it. So I don't know. Um, I I hate it for him that he didn't finish 25th. I was uh, I was baffled. I was I was blown away um, after the race when he come and, and run into the side of me and it, and it spun me out. I, I I couldn't wrap my head around around what he was so upset about um but apparently i understand i mean i i guess when you when you're running back there and, and you're fighting um you know to stay on the lead lap week in and week out you know racing like that 25th is a big deal kyle what's your reaction to that disappointment uh, a little bit disappointed in Eric, uh, some of those comments, to be honest with you. If I check my calendar right, today's Tuesday. Let it go. Let it go. You drive for Stuart Haas Racing, one of the top teams out there. Uh, Matt has 15 employees. They do the best they can week in and week out. 25th is a win for Matt DiBenedetto. Um, and he said it on our show. He said it on NASCAR America before. That's a big day for them. So, yes, Matt's going to race hard for 25th. 
Um, I, I look at, at Eric's comments two days later. Uh, I think they're uncalled for. Not that long ago, Eric Almirola raced for 25th, uh, and, and that was a big day for them. And they had a lot of finishes back there, so he knows how important it is to a team like that. So to belittle them like that, I'm a little disappointed. Yeah, I have to say, if Eric would have stopped with, I'm going to race for every spot, whether it's 25th or whatever, if he would have, they would have shut his microphone off right then, everything would have been fine with that. We, but we've all been in that position and talked too long when the microphone was there. So the other things that he said, uh, Eric could have done without saying at that point in time. Uh, you, you understand whenever there's these smaller teams, these guys race just as hard. Uh, but there was just too much said there. He should have just, as Kyle said, should have just let it go at that point in time. Is this something that he might have to yeah, follow up I, with? With oh, go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, I was just really what I was going to no, say no, was: Do I, they need to now, follow up? I mean, should he maybe reach back no, out to him? No, but but now I'm going to talk too much, and, and I'm going to go ahead and say <laughs> it because. But the, the point is, the point for me is, if he had said that Sunday, and when they put a microphone in front of him, I'm okay with that because it's heat of the moment, it's passion. You're going at it, but this is two days later. So that's my point to say, let it go. It's two days after the fact. Let it go. It's, it's a non-story as far as I'm concerned. Okay. All right, coming up, uh, Joey Logano is going to reveal his throwback paint scheme. Oh, yeah. We're very excited about this for Darlington. Which look of the past will Logano pay homage to? Marty Snyder is on hand with a complete report for that. That's next here on Ask Our America. Stay with us. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Listen, we know how much is on the line for a number of drivers still desperate to make the playoffs. So what a perfect time to head to Watkins Glen, the place where six different drivers have won the last six races. Our coverage starts Sunday at 3 Eastern over on NBC. We hope you're with us for that. One driver who's been a victory lane at the Glen is Joey Logano. He swept both the Cup and Xfinity races back in 2015. But before heading to upstate New York to look for another win, Logano was in Charlotte to unveil his throwback scheme for this year's Southern 500. And he joined Marty Snyder for that in a very special guest. What a cool unveiling today. Joey Logano going to honor this guy, Steve Park, at Darlington in a couple of weeks. Um, that That's pretty neat. I would assume as a guy growing up in the Northeast, this guy was a bit of a hero. Yes, he was. And it's, uh, it's so cool to be driving Steve's car at Darlington. It's going to be a lot of fun. It looks awesome. It's a cool looking car, which uh, is something that we've talked about a long time of when can we yeah. bring the Steve Park car back? <laughs> that one's really cool. And so this is going to be neat. Um, and it's perfect timing going into Watkins Glen where Steve won before. So this is going to be a, a fun, fun thing for sure. Yeah, no pressure on him, right? Because it, it is, he mentions his unveiling the week of Watkins Glen where you won your first race. Yeah, it was. And uh, it was an exciting time, especially with Dale coming into victory lane and kind of greeting us for our first win was pretty, pretty awesome. And, to get the opportunity to see a throwback car, which brings back a lot of memories for me, have another guy from New England driving the car and uh, hopefully win in Darlington. Does seeing the car bring back some memories with the old DEI stripes down the side? It does. It brings back a lot of good memories. And I always thought that Dale did a great job designing the paint scheme of that car. So uh, to see it come back and see a guy like Joey run the car uh, gives us a great opportunity to uh, give myself somebody to cheer for when we go to Darlington. 
Yeah, do you have any tips for them at Darlington? I mean, you know, you help them out a little bit, right? I always give these young guys good tips. Go fast, turn left, repeat steps one and two. <laughs> that's, that's always good advice, isn't it? Don't screw it up. It's a, right. Hopefully I don't put a Darlington stripe on the side of this one. And uh, I, I told him, I said, we we, we got to put the one on it. And he right. says, and, and Steve told me, you just do that after the race. So we'll all be holding up the number one. So that's the plan. You hope to do that in victory lane, certainly. All right, let's talk about how things are going right now for the 22 team. Sort of the mindset in the last few regular the season races yeah we got to find some speed you know and, and i know we've said that a lot and i think team penske as a whole just needs to we need to get a little bit more um we've been consistently in the top 10 if you take pocono out we've had a, i think 15 top 10 finishes this year and uh and, and that's about where we're at and it keeps us you know fourth in points and, and that's all well and good but when you get to the playoffs you need to figure out ways to win races you need to figure out ways to get uh, to to the championship four and win right because Getting the championship four doesn't really mean much if you don't win the championship. And to do that, we have to win races. And to do that, we need to make more speed. So, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a rat race to, to try to get there. You know, you're trying different things and and trying to develop your car as quick as possible. Um, but everybody else is right. So every time you make a gain, the competition is as well. And as you see, some of the Hendrick cars getting quicker now, and uh, the other Stuart Haas cars are quick. The other Gibbs cars are quick. Um, you know, the, the competition is definitely rising as we get closer to the playoffs. You, you you don't really think Watkins Glen, hey, we can go there and find some speed, but it's a place where you can find momentum, correct? You've won there in the past. Of course. Watkins Glen's been a great racetrack for us for the last few years for, for Team Penske, for Brad and myself uh, in the Xfinity cars and the Cup cars. We've we've had a lot of speed there, so I'm looking forward to going there. And like you said, that momentum, that confidence, that's what sports are about. You know, and we, we kind of joke about that, but there's a lot that comes through, uh, you know, a race team that just feels confident and and the changes that you make or as a driver and the, the moves that you make or the pit crew uh, that stuff goes a mile so as we get closer to the playoffs that's going to mean a lot so we want to have some really strong finish this year coming up one thing i can guarantee you're going to have a big cheerleader for the rest of the regular that's season right. in the playoffs right yeah no doubt and like i said just see the penzoil car back out there and a guy like joey racing it uh really puts a uh, a spark in my step because I know that Joey's capable of winning not only uh, at Watkins Glen but at Darlington with this car. So hopefully uh, all these guys and maybe myself will be there holding up a, a number one for uh, for the victory. <laughs> so no pressure. Park's putting pressure on you this weekend at Watkins Glen and Darlington in a few weeks. We can do that. You know, I, I asked him, I said, how crazy is it? Because, I mean, to think that my car would be a throwback car someday. It's right. crazy to think, like, Steve's car is it's a throwback car at Darlington. That's pretty neat. Well, certainly a very cool paint scheme for this guy, honoring this guy, Steve Park at Darlington in a few weeks. Marty, thank you. Kyle, I love this scheme. I love the stripes on it. What do you think? Yeah, wow. That's all, all I can say is wow. That, that, is, that may be one of the coolest unveilings that we've seen in a while. I know Dale unveiled one uh, with Robert Yates that was really cool, but this is, this is special. Steve Park coming out of the Northeast, coming out of the Modifieds. Uh, reminds me a lot of Truex. Truex following in those same footsteps. Uh, then Joey Logano coming out with Pennzoil and Penske honoring that DEI paint scheme and what Steve Park meant to the sport uh, for the time he was here until his career was, was ended tragically, uh, really in, in an accident where he had to step away from the sport. Uh, nobody knows what Steve Park could have been or where he, where he could be right now, but uh, this is pretty cool. I like what Joey says, though, about going into Watkins Glen. We've got to run better. We've got to get some momentum. It's that time of year that we've got to pick our game up and we've got to be better. Uh, you know, going to making the Final Four or making it to, to, the, to the playoffs at Homestead is one thing, but being in contention and winning races is something totally different. 
He's smart enough that he sees that, and that team knows that. Have you seen anything from that organization? Because I know, particularly over last weekend, we're all kind of looking at Hendrick Motorsports like, okay, yeah. well, maybe they're working on something. I mean, where do you think Joey Logano and Penske stand right now? No, I think they've got work to do, just as he pointed out. They have to find some speed. They can navigate their way through uh, one of the rounds, possibly a second, but but that right now they're not championship caliber material. Uh, you see all three cars with Blaney and with Brad that, that there is work to be done there and as we see if indeed last weekend showed us that the the new Camaros are in a better spot then they find their way back even further in this lineup well so how much more important then is this weekend at Watkins Glen where we've seen a number of different drivers win the last six years six different drivers yeah. anything can happen at this track it can be very exciting a little bit volatile if you're Joey Logano are you looking at this a place you've won before as maybe this is an opportunity where we can make something happen I think this is for momentum for a little confidence uh, back in the team. Yeah, they have their win, so they're far removed from what they were going through last year and trying to find any way possible to win a race. They don't have to worry about that. Now it's about making themselves more competitive for when the playoffs start because you don't want to be in a position of having to points race each and every round to, to get that done. You want to have the speed to make things happen. All right, so while we're talking about paint schemes, just for a second, Chris Buescher <laughs> going to have this a very great. interesting one for the start of the playoffs. So the beer company Natural Light or Natty Light, it is, it is much more affectionately known, placing one lucky contest winner's resume, photo, contact information on the side of Busher's car during Las Vegas weekend. And the company actually said, DJ and Kyle, listen, employers can receive over 80 entry-level resumes in a single month. So now more than ever, job seekers really need to make themselves stand out. I think the winner, by the way, is going to be announced on September 10th. I think, Kyle, this is a perfect way to earn your next place of employment. And I wonder <laughs> what your resume would say if it was on his car. <laughs> Can you Are you tell telling us? me something I need to know? The perfect way for me to learn my to, to get my next place of employment? What does that mean, Carolyn? What does that mean? I think this is a fantastic idea. Imagine that. Your phone number, your name, your resume on there. Uh, you know, a couple of million people, two or three million people watching it. Surely to goodness, you would get one or two phone calls. I, I, surely you would get one or two. Uh, what a great marketing idea. I mean, I applaud whoever came up with this. This is fantastic. You know, it depends on when you want, which time of my life you wanted a resume from. If you're talking now, it would just say old but still willing to go Maybe after the it. Yeah. time in your life when you were drinking Natty Light on a regular basis? Well, I, I would have been a good spokesperson <laughs> for him at that time, yes. <laughs> All right, coming up next, uh, my home track, our tour of New York, heads to a place where Kyle's dad scored a couple of wins. Plus, we're going to revisit one of Kyle's most memorable days in the Empire State. I'm sure he was drinking Natty Light after that one. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Again, the Monster Energy Series is in New York State for the only time this season. So this week we've been highlighting New York's racing tradition in a special edition of My Home Track. And today's tour stop brings us to Malta, New York and the Albany Saratoga Speedway, which is located about 30 minutes north of the New York State Capitol. It's known as the Great Race Place, and this bull ring has been in business for 53 years. The track schedule starts in April. It runs through September, and race nights are normally held on Fridays. That features the big block modified. As an asphalt track, Albany Saratoga hosted a pair of Cup Series races, which were both won by none other than the King Richard Petty. Overall, the King scored seven cup wins in the state of New York. 
And the track's signature event is the Brett Hearn Big Show, which is a 100-lap feature that's held in June. And this year's race was won by Truck Series regular Stuart Friesen. Brett Hearn not only promotes the Big Show at Albany, Saratoga, he races there too regularly, in fact. And in August of last year, the New Jersey native earned his 900th career feature win. Over 100 of those feature victories came at Albany, Saratoga Speedway. And Hearn is the track's current points leader in the modified division. His most recent one there came on July 6th. And Kyle, in addition to the King 7 New York wins, your grandfather Lee won there three times. What childhood memories do you have at these very special tracks? You know, they used to call that the Northern Tour. Um, and I remember going there in 67, 68. I was seven or eight years old. Uh, they would run. We ca they called it Malta. They referred to it as Malta, not Al Albany, Saratoga. But Malta, Islip, uh, Oxford Plains up in Maine. Uh, they would run Thompson, Connecticut. Uh, multiple racetracks up there. And here's the funny part. Here's the part that, that's crazy about what racing was like then. They would run right after the 4th of July race. So they would run like July 11th at Malta. Uh, July 13th down at Islip, July 15th up at Oxford Plains, and then go to another place. They'd run four or five races. So uh, the one thing I do remember, that's the first time I met Robin Pemberton when I was eight or nine years old. His family owned a restaurant in Albany, Saratoga, uh, and our race team would eat there with Pete Hamilton. He was friends of theirs. Uh, and Robin eventually came south, went to work for us, and eventually became a vice president of NASCAR. So that was my first connection with the Pemberton family. That's really cool. It's a beautiful part of the country, and those newspaper yeah. clippings are so fun to see Alta <laughs> to just take a trip back in time. Um, we know that your family has a very rich history in New York. However, on a summer afternoon back in August of 1992, mm -hmm. you were the one in a New York state of mind. Taken command of the Budweiser at the Glen, passing Ernie Urban. Well, the caution is out in this corner up here, but this could be the end of the race. Kyle Petty, meanwhile, is the leader of the race. He comes off of corner number 11 and takes the caution flag. Well, we've had a cloud overhead most of the year, so maybe this is the one that we're welcome, you know? The cars have been stopped, the tarps are going on, and the race is once again under a red flag condition. What we're hearing right now, Kyle, is that you're the winner of the race. Congratulations. I'd take it and go to the house, but I gotta go for my higher authority. <laughs> Robbie made a cameo in that, by the way, yeah. as DJ pointed out. So you needed a yes. higher uh, you needed higher confirmation at the time. Is that the deal? <laughs> Yeah, listen, I, you, you can't give any TV people respect. You know what I mean? Oh. There, there they were. The, the ESPN guys were trying to tell me I had won a race. I'm like, listen, I need a little bit higher up than you standing there with a microphone. It's got to come out of that, that, out of the NASCAR tower. But that was a good day for us. We ran well there. Uh, here's the funny part. I ran well there and won a race. And then I crashed there and I rode back to, to, to Pitt Road with yours truly there, Dale Jarrett. Uh, he let me ride on the passenger side of his car and dropped me off on Pitt Road, I think a year later, to be honest with you. So I've had good races there and bad races. Yeah, I think we've all done that. But when on a road course, I mean, there's nothing, that's no small feat. I mean, you see Ernie Irvin was a great road racer and then everybody else that was in that race. Yeah, in fact, Kyle Petty won a 22 drivers with a win at Watkins Glen on their resume. Let's just spend a minute right now focusing on the drivers who will be racing this Sunday and discuss who may have a chance. So if you look, there are only six active drivers that have at least one Cup Series victory at the Glen. Kyle Busch, the only driver with multiple victories, hasn't won there, though, in five years. In fact, the last six Watkins Glen races, like we mentioned, had been won by a different driver, and that included Martin Truex Jr. last year. With the way that 
Kyle Busch is running, DJ, I'm not so sure how much weight we should <laughs> place into the fact that he won there five years ago. Um, do you see a wild card in this? Everybody always points to A.J. Allmendinger. Yeah. Is it, in fact, the road course specialist, or is there somebody else you're thinking about? Well, certainly A.J. is the name that, that everybody brings up and, and could turn everything upside down at the back there where the, the bubble spot is and 16th. So that could make a huge difference. He has won there. That's the big difference. But I think if you look at Daniel Suarez and what he's been able to do and how well he ran there last year, you can't put him aside either. So you're willing to name Suarez, in fact, as a wild card on Dinger's level to yeah. potentially get this win. Uh, what do you think, Kyle? Yeah, I, I, listen, I agree. I, I think A.J.'s name comes up all the time because he was that underdog that won there. He took the small team and took it to victory lane. So that, his name's always going to come up. And he is a phenomenal road race driver. Uh, no ifs, ands, and buts. But I think if you look at Daniel Suarez, where he's at right now, coming off of Pocono, you heard him earlier in the interview on this show say that he talked to his dad and his dad said, have a good Pocono, man, but go get him at, at Watkins Glen because you know you can. So I think when you look at it, that – Paired with the momentum of coming off of a good run like that, knowing that you're going to one of your most favorite places, uh, I, I think from somebody who's behind the 16th place, who's back there, who can leapfrog everybody, not going to get in on points, got to get in on a win, I think Daniel Suarez is the guy to look at. So, Kyle, this is a situation where anybody's going to have to beat the big three. I mean, we know we talk about Watkins Glen is having opportunities for a number of drivers, but what does a driver have to do, X-factor or not, in order to make a dent into what we've seen the last couple of weeks? How do you make a dent in what we've seen the last couple of weeks? I, I, I don't have – I'm like every other team. I'm scratching my head. If we go back to Chicago, it's been – Big three, big three, big three, throw Daytona out, big three. That's the way it's been. Are we in that cycle again? If so, it's Truex's turn to win at Watkins yeah. Glen if we're just going to keep the rotation going. Uh, but it, I think it's really tough to break into that right now, and I think a lot of people are trying to figure out how do we become the fourth one. Yeah, and Truex has won the last two road course races. I was so say, it wouldn't be. No, it's going to be hard to do. That it could just be find a way to get to their back bumper. That's the best way to do it and move them out of the way. So it is an opportunity where yes. we could see somebody else step in and maybe shake things up for the playoffs, at least around the bubble. There's still a lot of work to do with five races left. Don't forget, we have a very big show tomorrow. It is called Wednesdays with Dale Jr. You may know it by now. It is a must watch if you love this sport. And NASCAR champ Martin Truex Jr., the man we we're just talking about, he is a special guest for the entire show and you best believe that Watkins Glen is going to be a topic of discussion that and many other things that starts at 5 p.m. Eastern we'll see you then same time same place this Father's Day the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be because your dad is more than just a dad he's groundskeeper of the yard the perfecter of the patio and the cleaner of the clippings let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.